Ladies and gentlemen, adventurers all across the globe, welcome to another broadcast from Point Noir, home of the Point Noir podcast, a simple podcast show where all we aim to do is equip and inspire men of color to craft their own life's journeys through travel. It's something we're very passionate about. As always, I'm your host, Jerry the Third, aka Kimono Jack, and I will be your tour guide throughout this audio adventure experience we're about to go on together. Thank you so much to all the new listeners, all the new Point Noir family who has joined on board with the show, who's been listening, checking out all our amazing guests, and I hope you guys are getting a ton of value out of the show. And if you didn't know by now, we do sponsor a man of color to get his passport every single month. We'll share some more details on that later in today's session. But if you're curious, you can check us out on Instagram at Point Noir Show, and we have all the details you'll need to know for yourself or to pass on to a friend, loved one, homie, brother, cousin, nephew, whatever. All that stuff is in our highlights under Passport. So without further ado, let's introduce today's special guest. Joining us today as our special guest at The Point is Arthur Dean. You can find him on Instagram at eclecticart. 314. One of the things I most appreciate about him sharing his experience on this session is that he talks about all the many ways he travels, but how he does it all and manages to keep his corporate nine to five job. It definitely is possible to travel and have amazing experiences while maintaining your full day job. You just need to be creative and be very much inspired to do it. So I love the way he speaks to that. We talk about learning languages. We talk about group for solo travel. We talk about all these kind of fun things. And I think you really are going to get a lot out of the session. So find your favorite beverage of choice, your favorite cozy, comfy chair. Sit back, relax, and prepare to enjoy today's session. I'll see you on the flip side. Hey, what's going on, Arthur? Welcome to The Point. Thank you for joining us. How are you feeling today, bro? I'm good, man. Happy to be here. Good to, good to be on the show. Yes, man. Excited to have you on. Saw some of your feeds and photos and captions really on Instagram. And I was like, yo, I got to have this brother on the show. Got to hear his perspective, where he's coming from, what he's up to. So I appreciate the time. I appreciate it, man. I've seen a lot of your, your work, heard some of your shows, and you got some pretty interesting guests. So hope I can add something to it. I appreciate that, man. The listens uh, matter a lot, and I think people enjoy it. So I'm glad to hear you say that. That that makes me feel good. We're doing some good stuff here at the point. <laughs> You're doing good stuff, man. Keep it up. Yeah, man. So let's uh, let's talk about you, bro. How did you get into travel? Where are you coming from? Give us the 411 on your whole adventure origin story. Sure. Yeah. So originally from New York, I uh, grew up in the Bronx. Been in D.C. for gosh about ten years now. So. I guess this is home, at least for now. Right. Uh, but yeah, kind of, you know, from one city to another in between. I, I did my undergrad in upstate New York, which is kind of different from both cities. Mm-hmm. And that's really where my kind of interest in travel started. You know, being way up by the Canadian border, decided to check out the uh, the local cities up there, Toronto and, and, and Niagara. And, and you know, that really just piqued my interest, man. Okay. So did visiting Canada kind of become like a, a regular thing you guys would do with, you know, with college buddies? Hey, it's, it's winter break or it's, we have a four day weekend. Let's kick it up to Canada. Or you guys kind of made bigger, more intentional trips to go up there. You know, uh, a couple, it was a little bit of both. Really the first time that I went up there, it was, it was just the kind of college buddies going up there, but, but we did go with the purpose. Um, so I'm a big, 
basketball and football fan. My team is mm-hmm. the Lakers. So the the trip really started by wanting to see the Lakers play in the closest stadium was in Toronto. <laughs> so okay. between that and just, you know, being a couple under 21 year old kids who wanted to drink, it was like, Hey, let's go to Canada. That's real. That's real. So that's really what started. Okay. I appreciate that perspective too, because I think no matter what your reasons for traveling are, just leaving home, just be, you know, clear and honest about them with yourself, at least like you ain't fooling the rest of us, but Hey, I wanted to drink. I went over the border. The shit works. It's legal. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a and that's a creative won. solution. And the Lakers won. Yeah. Were these the Kobe years, or what? What years were these? Yeah, these are the Kobe years. I guess I'm, I'm I'm definitely dating myself now, but um, yeah, this was this was back in in Kobe's prime. So it okay. was uh, it wasn't it wasn't his uh, monster game, one of his monster games, but but he put on a show that the Lakers won. It was good memory. Okay, so it wasn't one of the games where he forgot to pass the ball for three quarters. <laughs> I think he passed once or twice. Okay. Yeah. You know, you know, someone's got to get an assist that man. So after Canada, and I'm sure the transition between, I mean, you're from the Bronx, which I know of actually was just up there not too long ago, but the Bronx is very different. Even for New York, the Bronx is very much an urban environment. It's, it's a very real environment. How did that compare to Canada and where you went to college? Did you have to feel like you needed to make adjustments just to get by in those places? Yeah. So I mean, Rochester is way different from the Bronx. I don't, I don't think there are many places in New York State that could be much different. Right. And so, you know, there, there was some cultural adjustment that, that happened there. Um, I kind of, you know, found my group of friends that were, you know, like me, other, other Blacks and Latinos and people that I was familiar with and maybe more comfortable around. And that kind of eased my transition. But ultimately, I kind of had to adjust to, you know, being at a PWI and, and, and having having friends from all over the place. So, you know, first experience in Canada, I don't think I paid too much attention to kind of demographics or anything like that. It was much more just, oh, wow, I'm in another country, even though it is right across the border. Being at being in, in Rochester and going to school there for a couple of years before that experience may have uh, prepared me a little bit better because I, I could imagine if I went straight from the Bronx to, to, to Toronto, it would have been a little bit of shell shock. But, you know, I think the, the whole experience and the order that things happened and worked Okay. So it's kind of a gradual process. You, well, it wasn't intentional that way, but you know, you did gain some experiences from college that you think helped you just be used to a broader and more diverse set of people. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? That's a good way to put it, man. Okay, cool, man. So that was cool. Was there anything in Canada that said, you know what, if Canada is so much different than, you know, the Bronx or New York, I have to go see other places. What inspired you to continue to travel? Because you've made some incredible journeys a lot further away than, you know, New York is from Canada. So what was that? Yeah. I, you know, I, at the time, being a, a broke college kid, there wasn't really too much, I don't know if I would say interest, but just the thought of kind of exploring some of the places I've been since wasn't really in my mind. You know, it was Canada was feasible because it was so close. It was fairly cheap to get there. Um, but anything bigger was was not really kind of in my reality at the time. Um, okay. It wasn't until I graduated and, and, you know, one of my one of my best friends, um, childhood friends, and I decided kind of treat ourselves for, for, for our graduations and take a trip to Europe. So uh, we did the, the Paris and Rome trip. And that is that was the first kind of major that was an overseas, just huge international trip that really piqued my interest. And that kind of got the, the travel bug really going. 
Okay. Wow. So you guys were like, hey, we're going to just treat ourselves, kick it. Did you guys backpack? Did you take the trains? How did you set that up? How did you even prepare for a trip when you had never been overseas before? Yeah. Um, so we didn't, it was a mix of backpacking and, and uh, kind of traditional travel. Like we stayed in some hotels on the outskirts of cities, you know, so not in central Paris or, or central Rome, but towards the outskirts. Planning, it was very just rough, you know, pulling pulling things together online and just finding whatever deals we could find and just making it all make sense really um it, it was it was it was piecemeal you could tell it was two people's first real international trip uh, right. it, was, it was a good time man i mean i look back you know i've been to paris several times since then and like that time still rings is is maybe my my favorite time ever just because you know it was the first first real experience overseas so it was it, it was special, but I mean, it, it came together. It was, it was, it was pretty damn good. Right. I definitely understand that everything is fresh. Every, everything has that little sparkle of brilliance. Everything is new. And especially if you have somebody with you like that, you know, I can only imagine traveling. I've traveled with some of my homies and it's just like, okay, I got his back. He's got mine. We're in this new place. Like I'm ready. Where sometimes you show up alone and you're like, uh, let me get to my hostel first and settle down and then I'll see what's going on. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's what's up. So did anything in that trip stand out or did you guys have a mission? Were you trying to see all the big attractions, the Arc de Triomphe, the Coliseum, or you guys were just figuring it out day by day? You know, it, it was uh, it was a mix of the two. So and I think that really that kind of stuck with me to this day. Uh, there, there were obviously a couple of things that just you know, we had to see the Eiffel Tower, uh, the Coliseum, Trevi Fountain, all that kind of stuff. But for however long the trip was, say it was a week, um, I would say we had at least half the trip left um, to just roam around sightsee and, and just get lost. Yeah. Um, so I, I remember really well just walking around Paris and Rome for that matter and not having anything on the agenda, just kind of seeing what street looked the most interesting and following that path. And we just stumbled on some really cool shit. So, you know, but got lost and everything, you know, phones ended up dying and just, had to find our way back to where we were staying. You know, we were taking the trains in, in Paris and uh, local taxis before there was Uber. Um, right. It was just all just really trying to get as much exposure to the, the culture. And that was just the, the best part of it. That's really cool. And the fact that you could share that experience with someone, again, who has your back that, you know, security is a big issue in, in Rome and personal security in Rome and Paris because they are hot spots for pickpockets. Rome is hella hot. Paris is hella hot. And sometimes you don't even want to pull out your camera to take a picture. At least I don't, because now I look like a target. Now I look like a tourist, even though I live there. So, yep. I mean, I think having that mix and having someone that you someone that you vibe with, that's a great way to go for your first trip. And did that kind of inspire you as the mode of travel from then on? Like, do you always try to go with people or did you start experimenting between group and solo travel for your later adventures? Yeah, I think most times I, uh, you know, I'll start with an idea. Maybe I'll see a, 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 a cheap flight somewhere or I'll just have an interest in, in checking out some location. And I'll, I'll start by floating the idea with with friends or family or whoever. If, if people bite, they bite. And, you know, we plan a group trip. But, you know, I've, I've been on a couple of trips solo and had a great time as well. So it, it all depends on kind of, you know, where I'm going, who else is interested and if timing works out, if finances work for everyone. So, yeah, just I, I keep it flexible, man. That's kind of my most important thing is, is you know, whether it's the, the time frame or the, the destination or, or whatever, you know, I can gain something from from visiting any place at, at any time. So 
I try to be flexible and, and, you know, see if, see if it makes sense to go with people. If not, then, then run solo. Okay. And that makes a lot of sense. I think that's kind of the, that's the omnivore style of traveling. You know, some people are stuck to groups. Some people like myself a little bit, I don't really like moving with other people. It's difficult. So having that, I think patience that, that speaks to the level of patience you have. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if everyone would agree with that. that I'm that patient, but <laughs> I guess I'm patient with some things. Patient where it counts in regards to travel. Yeah. And you mentioned family. Have you ever taken any trips with your family abroad? Yeah. So I, I had, um, I've had a couple been, been to like DR with family, Jamaica. Okay. Um, so a couple, uh, maybe the shorter international trips, nothing too major or too far out. Right. Especially coming from the East coast. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're all, you know, right in the Caribbean is pretty much where we've, we've stayed. Right. And do you have any family from there? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So my family is from Jamaica. So, you know, I'm, most of them have moved to the States since then or, or have since passed away, but, you know, still have some distant family members in Jamaica. Okay. Okay. So because a lot of that New York area does have uh, roots in the West Indies. So that's cool though. Do they think anything of it when, you know, you said, okay, I'm going to Europe for a week and do they make any comments or, or ask any questions about the travels that you've continued to have? Because I imagine most of the people you grew up with and most of your family might not travel the way you do. Yeah, actually, um, a, a couple of the maybe older members of my family, you know, especially with, with Europe, just they don't get the allure. Like, like what are you going there for? <laughs> right. so, um, you know, it's I think, not the pizza, right? It sure as hell is in the pizza. No, it's not the pizza. New York has way better pizza. <laughs> hell yeah. But um, yeah, I think they don't always get it. I think when I when I've talked about Africa and things like that, it's way more appealing uh, or just, you know, it's understandable why I'd want to go there. but. For, for some destinations, it, it's, it's, I don't even try to convince them that it's a worthwhile trip, to be honest. Okay. I mean, I, I know you've been to Jordan, and that is a challenging area to discuss in any context. I mean, what, what led you out there? A mix of things. You know, I, 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 I've been on this kind of uh, Seven Wonders hunt for, for a couple of years, I guess. Okay. Um, the first one being that first trip I told you about, really, the Coliseum's on the list. In my travels, I've come across some additional of the Seven Wonders, and it came to a point where I'm like, oh, I only have two left. So between Jordan and India, Jordan was something that I saw a trip I could build around, and I've always wanted to go to Egypt as well. So yeah, I combined that into to one trip, um, went to you know Cairo and Luxor in Egypt, and then I went to Jordan. So yeah, very different place from, from so many other places, whether in Africa, Europe, or, or anywhere else. Um, but it was fantastic, man. I, I loved it there. Wow. And what was the the wonder of the world that was in Jordan? I'm actually not familiar with all seven. Sometimes I hear there are eight of them. I know you have the pyramids in, in Luxor, uh, Luxor, right? So the pyramids are in Giza. Giza, um, okay. Technically, the, the people who manage these lists of wonders, which is for one of these reasons, I, I've kind of stopped paying attention to it. But um, there are like three different lists. Um, so the pyramids, if I recall, are on like the original or ancient wonders. And then there's a seven modern wonders. And so you've got Taj Mahal and the mm-hmm. Colosseum, a couple others. So in Petra there is, or in, uh, Jordan, there's Petra. Uh, so that's just the, uh, that's the lost city of Petra. If you've seen Indiana Jones or, or some of the older kind of movies that, that might take place in, in, in that area, you'll, you'll notice a lot of the facades from, from, from Petra. Okay. Um, yeah, it's pretty much a city that's built into a series of mountains. It's pretty fantastic, man. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 
And uh, definitely, I'm sure through your Instagram, your IG, well, I mean, we're talking right now, so I'm not going to scroll. But um, I think I know the picture you're talking about. And that's what it is. Dope. Pretty, pretty, you know, picturesque and, and nice to see. But yeah, that, that kind of took me to Jordan. Um, before that, you know, all the other destinations, I just really wanted to, to see the, the places like, you know, uh, Chichen Itza is in Mexico and I, it's near Cancun. I was in Cancun for complete other reasons and said, hey, why not go see Chichen Itza? Right. Um, so yeah, you know, other, other wonders, it just worked out that way, but Jordan was kind of a, a deliberate thing. Okay. And that's the furthest away from, uh, DC you've been, right? Uh, no. So I've been to, um, I've been to Asia a couple of times. So okay. That'll be, that'll be further. I've been to Korea, Japan, uh, China. Uh, I think that's, that's it over there. So yeah, those were, those are some long trips. Hey man, flex on them, flex on them. Talk that shit. <laughs> Um, yeah. and if I understand correctly, you're not a full or even part-time traveler. You hold a, a regular nine to five, uh, I say regular, but it's anything, but you hold a day job. Yeah, I do. Um, so I, I work at, at Google, so, you know, cool, cool tech environment. And one of the, the great things is, um, work-life balance is pretty sweet. So, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to be able to take, take time to, to take trips. Um, and even before I started at Google, cause I've only been there for, for five or six months. Um, you know, I worked for another tech company prior to, and, and I've, I've been blessed, man. I've, I've had some, some really, really good opportunities to have a flexible work environment. So yeah, you know, I'm not a, not a full-time traveler, like, like some of the people on Instagram that I'm a little envious of sometimes, but hmm. I'm making it work. Right. Right. So you wouldn't happen to have a plug with the guy who manages the Google flight project, would you? Uh, I don't have it, but I might be able to find it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because Google Flights has really come up as a place to find great deals conveniently. And, you know, if there was an algorithm hiccup, you know, let's say at 2.03 a.m. in three days, you know, I might be there ready to buy a ticket to uh, Japan one way. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I got you, bro. Okay, cool. I mean, we can't see, you know, this isn't a visual podcast, y'all. So we got to <laughs> we gotta make sure we're communicating all as clearly as possible. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Got you. Shout out to Google. Okay. So how have you been able to balance managing your full-time career? And I mean, Google is no joke, y'all. I've applied to Google a bunch of times. It's a competitive environment. They they take the best of the best. So shout out to you, Arthur, for even getting the gig. And we definitely need more brothers, more men of color to be represented in that space, specifically black men. Because, and you might want to speak on this because the diversity numbers when it comes to tech companies and, you know, Silicon Valley really get buried in men of color, but it's mostly of Asian descent, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. And I appreciate that, man. I'm really happy to be here. It's so far, just like I said, it's been five or six months, but best job I've ever had. So appreciate the, the shout out. But yeah, I mean, I've been at some other places really my whole, whole career just being in tech. Everywhere I'm at, if I'm not the only person of color, you know, black or, or Latino um, or even Native American, there may be a, a, another one. But, you know, it's just men of color are just few and far between. Yeah, I, I've tried to do my part to, to help with that. You know, I've, I've been in positions where I've hired and, and other things like that, at least referring people who I know can do the job and do the job well. You know, I, I just try to look out for people of color. Yeah. Yeah. And we all appreciate it, whether whether we're impacted or get that call or not. It really it really helps to to be represented in those spaces. And, you know, now that we're talking about kind of corporate life and professional things, do you think that travel adds to your perspective as a black professional? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, just going from from place to place, we just talked about you know Africa, Europe and Asia. 
all three di- very different continents um, and then bringing it back home to, to North America. The experiences I've had traveling as a black man have varied so much from country to country, but also from foreign country to the U.S. Um, you know, I've I've realized that, you know, in so many places outside of the U.S., people really like black men. <laughs> so, you know, it, it makes me scratch my head sometimes when I come home and, and you know, face blatant racism and, and you know, questionable interactions um, because of race. Outside of the country, I don't get that nearly as much. Yeah, I think I think we all might be able to relate either through a, a personal narrative or at least through the news. And that's the reality of it. I mean, you guys got to got to understand that in some of these countries, the, the force, the level of aggression that exists in the United States, is not even legal. Like they don't the cops don't have guns in Japan. You know, cops in Paris aren't shooting people. They have armed military walking around because they're on high terror alert. But no one's getting shot in the street like that, whereas a, a routine traffic stop could be the end of your life here in the States. It's it's very much different when it comes to that level of overt aggression. Yeah, it's it's baffling, man. I, I, I don't get it. Even traveling, you know, within the States, I just feel there are so many places where, you know, in, our, in my own country that I, I don't feel as safe as I do in several other countries, you know, even countries that that aren't, you know, Afrocentric. It's just it. It amazes me. Yeah. And that's something that's been through, uh, that's been true throughout history from, you know, soldiers showing up in Europe when we were allowed to, uh, when we were allowed to be in real uh, military units in World War One and World War Two. Do you ever have any thoughts of not coming back to the States? You know, I've thought about it um, and I still, you know, think about it. I'm, I'm, you know, I've been in DC for a while and it's home for now, but I don't know if it's home forever. And so whether that means packing up and moving across the country, across the pond and, and going somewhere else, I don't know. I've thought about it, very open to it. I think I just have to find the place that I, I feel the most comfortable and, and ready to settle down, you know what I mean? Okay. So what is it about the States that, that attracts you here? Because over time, out of the many men and women who've gone overseas, I've read their stories and they've come back because of family or other ties or business or something. What is it that kind of uh, hangs in the balance? Because in the tech industry, there are a lot of popping cities where the cost of living is lower, you're employable, you know, you have a very in-demand skill set. What is it about the states that still you might be hesitant about in terms of leaving for good? You know, honestly, it's nothing too deep. It's probably just familiarity and, you know, growing up here and know, knowing what it's like here, it's a level of comfort, just kind of the devil you, you do versus the devil you don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, that's real. I, I think it's, it's mostly that. And like any decision I've ever made, whether it's changing a job or, you know, changing, you know, what city I live in or anything like that. I think if it reached a point where, you know, I, I wanted it bad enough, I would, I would just get over any kind of jitters or, or second guesses and, and make it happen. That's what's up, man. Shout out to you for knowing that you have that courage and capacity to just execute. Because, I mean, I, I don't know your life situation. We just met. So there might be family members or, or siblings or your parents that you want to look after. I know I don't have any sort of obligations like that for myself. And, you know, everyone's situation is different. But I'm curious to see if throughout this generation of traveling black millennials, millennials of color, how many are going to go overseas and just not come back compared to the 20th century? Yeah, I see it happening more and more. Um, you know, I, def- I definitely have family and, and loved ones here. And, you know, I, I definitely take all of that into consideration and, and you know, hopefully make a decision that works for everybody. And, you know, but it, it's not it's not top of the list right now. I got a got a lot that I'm trying to do here. And you know, sure. hope, hopefully I'm young and have a, a, a long life ahead of me. God willing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we definitely going to promote that sort of vibe. Yeah.
What's up, everybody? Kimono Jack back here again. No need for alarm, just a quick pause for the cause and a great opportunity to refill that refreshing beverage of choice. So while you're headed to the kitchen or to the cabinet, wanted to let you all know that if you're in the travel or entrepreneurship space and you need a keynote speaker, a guest for your own broadcast, or if you're trying to create your own movement via podcasting, drop me a line. Kimonojack at pointnoirshow.com. Would love to connect with you quickly over a call, see the needs for your event, and also hear about the movement you're trying to create because there's so much opportunity in podcasting and you'll continue to see new and varied shows in 2019. But podcasting is its own skill and there are plenty of places to get hung up. So I just want to talk to you really quickly and see how I can help you get unstuck using my experience and how I've been able to bring the show to success to this point and see you thrive on your own. So would love to be a part of your event. Would love to be a part of your story as you create the next podcast masterpiece. Hit me up, kimonojack at pointnoirshow.com. And uh, by this point, you should have refilled your glass, you heavy-handed poor you. I see you out there. Nobody loves a cold couch cushion, so hurry back to that cozy spot. If you're ready, the show is ready for you, and we're going to jump back into the session. Now, I like that you travel in groups, and I'm curious, do you travel in groups of, uh, are they guys, girls? Is it kind of mixed up? What's the group look like? Uh, it, it's been a mix, um, mo- mostly mostly guys um, in my group, but, you know, mix of, of travels. Um, I try to kind of pick who goes, and I'll, I'll usually pick a, a team of people I know work well together, because it is it is hard. You, you mentioned it. It's hard to travel with, with different people and different personalities, so... You know, I won't throw six people together that don't know each other and just hope for the best. I'll, I'll definitely be a little more strategic than that. Okay. You're not a maniac. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> but I was asking because, you know, you see a lot of trips of, of women traveling in groups and these summits for women of color abroad. And I was curious to see how many men of color you travel with, or are you finding that brothers aren't really interested in having these experiences as often as you are? Nah, most of my most of my friends are are men of color, and and uh, I, I guess it's kind of a surround yourself with with like minds. So, right, I'm sure it's not not representative of of the rest of the world or or you know life in general. But you know, I've got a, I've got a handful of really good friends that I, I've traveled with over the years, and they don't all necessarily like to travel as frequently as I do. So you know, like I said, I might say. Say to these two people, hey, let's go here. And then a couple months later, these four people put something together. But yeah, I've got got a handful of people, definitely men of color that that enjoy traveling. So it's it's great because we all kind of whether we came from the same city or or not, just we have similar experiences being black men in America, being overseas. That's what's up. That's really cool because you know you said you're involved in the inst. No, I won't. I won't say involved like you're implicated in it. But you scroll through the feeds, you follow the big accounts. I do the same thing, and for the most part, and from trying to find good guests for the show, men of color, black men are underrepresented. So shout out to you for having that community within your own group to go have these experiences. But for anybody listening, like this is possible. Brothers like Arthur out here, brothers like myself, other guests, like it's a thing. You just need to get plugged in. Yeah, it really is a thing. And actually, man, that's a good point. Until about a year and a half, two years ago, I wasn't really big on Instagram. You know, I, I was throwing up pictures, um, kind of random pictures here and there. Um, wasn't really putting a lot of effort into kind of sharing my travels or anything for that matter. And it wasn't until I, I began to, to one, see here and there, you know, other black people posting things, both men and women. 
um, and realizing that there was a need to see more of that and a need to share more of that. That's really when I started to, to post. So the last year or so is really when I kind of started posting more and, and putting my travels out there. This And even to this day, there's so many trips I take that I don't even remember to like photograph and put on Instagram or sometimes right. I remember and just want to be lost in the moment. Um, but I do think it's really important that, you know, especially the next generation, the younger, younger folks out there, they see that it's, you know, there are people like them doing this. Right. And I mean, there are, there are, there are whole families out here traveling with their kids, making it work. I mean, the possibilities and the exposure that these narratives are getting is just increasing. It seems week by week. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yep. Definitely, man. Okay. So the international thing has been definitely a hit for you, but I, I'm getting a sense that you pull more than just a vacation element out of it, just more than seeing the the seven or eight wonders of the world. What is it about travel that is kind of feeding you to continue to search and explore? What What are you looking for and what are you getting when you're out and about? You know, I, I think one, it, it's a curiosity. I'm naturally curious. I'm an engineer by trade. So I like to see and experience things and figure out how things work. And that kind of transfers over into the, the world of travel, you know, just seeing and experiencing different cultures. I'm a foodie. So everywhere I go, I like to try the local cuisine. Okay. I just really, really like learning something new about someplace new. You know, it, it really just fulfills me in a lot of different ways. So, you know, everywhere I go, you know, it, if it's the first time, it's like just being a kid in a candy store and just soaking up as much you know, culture and experience from that, that new place. And if I've been there, then that takes it to another level, actually, because I, I treat it, I try to treat it almost like I'm a local. And instead of doing the touristy stuff, I, I kind of go a, a layer deeper and, uh, you know, live like a local, go to the, the local shops and, and do things that the, the residents do rather than, you know, what you see the tourists doing. Right. Or finding, uh, you know, replications of stuff you're familiar with at home. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, find a, a local coffee shop and go somewhere where, hey, I may not even speak the language or speak it very well, but I'll, I'll go there knowing that they don't speak English. Right. Right. That makes total sense. How would you advise somebody to go about that if they wanted to be off the beaten path? You know, especially if they haven't been to a country before, don't know the codes or the customs. How does one start to be less of a tourist and maybe more of an explorer or adventurer? So shameless plug for Google, but just get on the Internet, man, and search where you're going. (laughs) Um, It's really that simple. (laughs) Um, You know, start by, you know, you pointed out a couple of big ones like the customs and and the the cultural expectations. you got to look that stuff up. So if you're going somewhere, especially, you know, coming from the States and going somewhere like Asia, where, you know, culturally there are so many differences. You have to be versed in in the the ethnic norms and the, the cultural expectations. So Google that. It's pretty simple, you know, even down to like tipping culture. You know, like I guess I don't feel so I'll, I'll find restaurants anywhere I go. And tipping culture is way different in other places than it is in the U.S. You know, not every place expects the 15 to 20 percent. Some places you throw a couple dollars down. Some places it's, it's more or less. But, you know, just understanding what the, the norms are there. It, the Internet's a, a really powerful tool. So use that. Other than that, you know, Try to learn the language if it's not English, you know, try to learn as much of it as possible so that they see that you're willing to try. You're not coming there as an arrogant, arrogant American, um, just forcing your language on them. You know, that that's another thing. So even if you're only learning a handful of phrases, give it a shot. Right. And we do have a huge advantage. If you're listening to this show, you are more than likely an English speaker or English understanderer. I'm going to use that word. We're not going to edit that shit out. Understanderer. Take it for what it is. I like it. <laughs> and um, I mean, that's a huge advantage. And some of you guys are going to flinch and say, I'm not arrogant, but you might be ignorant. 
So it could help to learn a couple of phrases. What are some good phrases people should start with? I mean, certainly your greetings, you know, know your hellos and goodbyes. Where is the restroom? Learn how to order your, your meal or at least start to order your meal. Just the basic things that you use anywhere with a, a stranger or someone that maybe in a service industry or someone you're casually interacting with. Uh, you don't have to act like you're proficient. You know, very often I'll, I'll be somewhere and I'm speaking a language just well enough to get the message across, but I'll struggle mm-hmm. so bad that they'll let me off the hook and start speaking English. Right. <laughs> but they like to see that people are, are trying. You know, there's there's a lot of countries where attempting to, to speak the, the language makes people so much warmer. Definitely. I've I've witnessed that. I've seen it with others that I've been traveling with. And you're on their turf. So it's polite. Um, if I could add two things to the words you mentioned, yes, say hello, goodbye, but please and thank you. If you can hit those four things, write them down on a napkin, spell them out phonetically, that's the way that you'd say it, you will get so far if all you can do is run around the city and say hello, please, thank you, and goodbye. Bingo. Yeah, man, you're right. And phonetically is a good part because things don't always sound out the way you think they do. Definitely. Definitely. Especially when you get into the uh, Asian areas. Uh, what are they called? Uh, Romanji in Japanese? The pinyin. My bad. Pinyin. It's, oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, it's been 10 years since college. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Pinyin in Chinese. Uh, do you speak any other languages? Uh, not well enough to, to say I speak another language. I um, Do you murmur any other languages? Like, do you, I, I do <laughs> do you mumble? I, I murmur and mumble English too, but Spanish and French, uh, enough to kind of do the basics. Okay. You know, and it seems like every time I'm, I need to use it, I'm, I'm relearning it because it's, it's not, I'm not fluent, but in my vocabulary in, in both of those is decent enough where I can kind of read my menus and order some things, things like that. Okay. So how much door the Explorer would I need to watch to be decent in Spanish? Probably a whole lot of Dora. Um, but you know, one of my, my favorite online tools is uh, Duolingo. Um, that's really how I picked up a lot of the French that I, I know. Okay. So it's a free app. It's very much like Rosetta Stone, except it costs nothing. And it's really awesome. So self-paced learning. Uh, at the very least, you can learn all the, the basics that we talked about in a matter of a week or so and like we're to the point where they're hammered into your head. And then if you have the time and desire, you can really become fairly proficient. So Duolingo is, is pretty awesome. I'm a big fan of it. Wow. And how long did it take you to pick up, let's say, French, for instance? Was it was it a couple of years? Was it a couple months? Where did you get your entryway to say, okay, I feel comfortable with this? Yeah. For, for French, I think I did maybe um, a few months, maybe maybe five or six months fairly consistently. Okay. Uh, and, you know, when I went back to, to France a year or two later and I realized I was rusty, I probably picked it up again for another month just to, to brush up on some things. Um, but just in that experience and, you know, language is all about repetition. So if, if you if you don't use it, you lose it. From that Duolingo experience, I can tell you if I made a habit of it, I'm pretty damn sure I'd, I'd be close to fluent. You know, even though I started learning as an adult, I, I think it would be, it would have definitely sunk in a lot. So, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of it. Okay. So five to six months to get to, you know, a, a basic elementary level of conversational French. That's, that, I feel like that's reasonable and realistic. And thank you so much for sharing that because when it comes to languages, I'm a huge fan. Like I am a language nerd, but people think it's so difficult and I know it's not. I know people are doing this like yourself. So I appreciate the perspective because it's not just my crazy ass saying it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it's all about what you put your effort into and you take the time and learn. Like I said, the internet's a powerful tool. Use it the right way and you can learn anything. 
Now, how about that Google Translate app where apparently can't you just like speak into it and it'll translate in like 50 different languages? See, I told myself I was only going to plug Google once, but since you're asking, I guess I can can say, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Google Translate is pretty awesome. I forget how many languages there are now, but yeah, you can pretty much, you can speak or have someone speak into the into your phone or whatever device and it will automatically translate it for you. Um, you can even take pictures of signs and it'll translate them for you. Wow. Um, yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, but also uh, you can still get cussed the hell out. So learn to say please and thank you. Say louder. <laughs> <laughs> you can be mostly lazy. You can't be all the way the fuck lazy and have experiences <laughs> like this. You just can't. You got to research something. You got to say please and thank you. And then let Google do the rest. They are our digital overlords. It's just, it's the future. It's too late, but do something. Great. So in terms of your travel experiences, what has been the most transformational or impactful moment that you've had throughout all your journeys, domestically, abroad? What's been a moment where you were just like, this This is something I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. This is something I want to share with my kids. Oh, man, that's a deep one. So uh, there's been quite a few. Um, you know, the, the thing that instantly came to mind, yeah, I'll, I'll start with that, is um, going to Machu Picchu in Peru. Yeah. And getting to the top of like breathtaking doesn't describe that view. Anyone who's listening, who's been there will know exactly what I mean. It's just, it's phenomenal. And just knowing that there were people that, you know, hiked up that mountain centuries ago and, and you know, built fortresses and, and, and did things to, to protect their lands. I mean, that was, it's mind blowing and, and spectacular. You know, that's something that I, I can see it and, and I can feel it as if I were still there. It's that it's that impactful. So, you know, of the seven wonders or, or any sites for that matter, never mind the, the hype around the wonders. Um, Machu Picchu is awesome. Like I would recommend that to anyone. That's beautiful. That's definitely cool. And it's it's funny because you might not think much of it when you see it in pictures, but what a world of a difference it makes to be actually on top of that joint. I can I can only imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you can't imagine until you get up there. Um, and even when you're up there, it's like, wow, like this is, this is real. Um, so yeah, that was, that's right now that, that that's the, the first thing that comes to mind. Just, I, I can remember that like it was yesterday and that was a good three or four years ago. That's beautiful, man. Totally valid and totally your experience. And now I want to go. Now I'm just like, you know what? Let me climb up that, uh, that very geometric pyramid. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Make it happen, man. Find a cheap flight and get out there. All right. Let's climb up these old ass rocks. See what this is all about. <laughs> see what all the hype is about. And before we get into maybe another deep question, what's been the best and the, what's been the craziest thing you've eaten abroad? Because I need to know like where you are. You say you're a foodie, but that, that can mean a million things. Yeah. Craziest thing. Uh, so I've done like... You eat I've spiders? Because like, if you eat spiders, we're done with this interview. Nah. Okay, nah, cool. Nah, so you crazy some of you grasshoppers. Um I've done duck neck in, in Korea. Okay. That was was weird. The the texture was different. That's probably the weirdest thing. I don't usually do the you know, I, I've got a friend who's try like he will try literally any food. Like he's been to Iceland and he's had Rams testicles or something like that, and I'm good. Right. What's the what's the uh Icelandic translation for D's nuts? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly what he ordered. <laughs> All right. I'll get my Google Translate on it. Okay. That's what's up. Um what's been the best meal? What's been the meal that was just unforgettable, whether it be cheap or hella expensive? Hmm, let me give that one some thought. But actually, going back to your last question, um, something else that's a little weird and maybe creepy or saddening for some people. Um, in Peru, going back to that trip, I did have guinea pig. Okay. So that was, you know, that, that's a, a local cuisine. It's, it's a delicacy. Uh, but, 
you know, anyone who's had a fourth grade pet might consider it a little <laughs> off-putting. Yeah, I mean, but it, it's it's a cultural thing, right? And, you know, yeah. where you had uh, that duck down the street, you could have had dog. You didn't, though. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> that you're aware of. Um, but those right. are cultural differences, and you just got to accept it. I mean, dude, I was just in Hoboken, and I had alpaca. You were in Peru and had guinea pig. I think that's an even exchange. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I had a, alpaca, too. It's um, Alpaca is actually pretty good. It's not bad, bro. It is not bad. Yeah. But let's see. You said best meal... Um, Damn, I'm 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 thinking. I, I got to come back to that one, bro. Okay, no worries, man. We can uh, we can put it in the show notes, or uh, we'll just do a whole other show just for those two minutes. We'll just shit. There you do, go. Do what I want on my damn show. <laughs> it's my show. I do what I want. Um, <laughs> but as we round out, bro, I want to know how has traveling the world the way you have domestically abroad, all these amazing experiences. How has that impacted your sense of self as as a man of color, as a black man, and how has it empowered you to to grow or aspire to do different things in your life? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it it's really just rounded out some things. Um, mm. I think if I had just stayed in the Bronx, you know, never ventured six hours north to Rochester for for college, um, never came to DC, got a different ex- experience. And then never did any of the international travels or even domestic travels because you, you get different experiences in this very large country. So if I, if I hadn't had those experiences, I think I would have a really narrow view of, of what it means to be a black person and, and what it means to be a black man specifically. Well, can we, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to cut you off there, but you said narrow. Can you expand on that a little bit more? And you'd have a more narrow view of what it means to be a black person. Yeah. So, so if, if I had, hadn't had the experiences, what I'm saying is, I would pretty much only know what, you know, my, my peers back, back home or what people in the U S thought of me. So kind of going back to the conversation we had about, you know, racism and, and the way uh, other people look at, at us here. I've had so many experiences outside of this country where people react so positively, whether it's kind of curiosity or admiration, there's, there's not the loaded hate or disrespect that we can experience in this, this country so frequently. Mm. Um, that's not to say everything is perfect overseas. Don't get me wrong. Like there's still racism overseas. Correct. Um, but you know, uh, we, we mentioned Egypt earlier, you know, I was in Egypt and, and like, I had dark skin favor. Like that was a thing. <laughs> People right. actually, you know, commented and made positive comments about my skin complexion. And, and it was an admiration thing. And you know, I, I was traveling with someone who was light skin. So that felt really, really nice to be able to like battle the light skin favor for once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Soldier in the army. I hear you. That's right. So dark skin privilege for a week. That's what I had. But yeah, so just being able to to see that I'm I'm more than you know what this country will have me believe is is something that I only have been able to experience by going other places and, and just seeing how I'm ex- how I'm perceived and, and received, um, and then just learning other cultures uh, and how other people do things, how people operate everywhere else. It's it's given me insights. I can take something back from all of those experiences and just learn how to operate a little differently and maybe fine tune some things so that I'm just a better me, um, you know, whether it's black me, white me or any, any me. But, you know, I, I think it just adds perspective when I'm at work. I can talk about things that a lot of my peers at work talk about. You know, there are so many of them are well traveled. And if, if I hadn't taken this kind of initiative and had the opportunities that I've had, then I wouldn't understand it. I wouldn't be able to have those conversations and I just wouldn't be able to get anything. And then that's kind of furthering the the ostracized feeling that I would have um, otherwise. So yeah, travel just, it really opens some things up and, and I, I can't say enough about it, man. 
That's that's really what's up, bro. And it sounds like you've really latched onto these positive, these intensely positive experiences and added them into your own self-esteem and self-worth and been able to, like you said, strive and, and thrive in these environments where you again are not the majority, you know, and still be able to, you know, have your shoulders held back, head up tall and, and get work done, man. That's what's up. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's important. It, it's so hard to to summarize it and and express how important it is, but it, it really is important. It's the type of thing you don't you don't realize until you start to to see it. Yeah, definitely. And you know, the desire for from me for this show is that other men who haven't traveled or those who maybe are kind of always doing the vacationing thing, you know, are introduced to adventurers like yourself who still hold down a full-time job, find ways to get amazing flight deals and make it work and, and enrich themselves. Like travel is an investment in yourself and it, it shows with everything you share with us today. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, and you said flight deals. I'm a big fan of those. Like no matter how good your job is, find a good deal. Like that's that's so important. So, you know, I'm, I'm always checking my sites. The next flight deal I find, I'm booking something. Okay. Give us your top three and then we'll, we'll round things out because I want to hear what trips you have coming up next. What are your top three flight deal sites? You can plug Google again. Like, no shame. The overlords will bestow <laughs> honor upon me. Yeah. I'm going to try not to plug Google again. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm gonna say Secret Flying, uh, The Flight Deal, and actually The Points Guy, but I like them for another reason. So they all, they have some some flight deals on there, but they also help people kind of get into this points game that I'm really big in. Credit card reward yeah, points. Credit card points or airline, you know, airline miles. Um, just finding how to earn them without spending too much mm-hmm. um, or anything for that matter and uh, how to use them most effectively. So, you know, I, I've stayed at some really nice hotels and paid zero dollars for them. So, you know, that... Big fan of those three websites and the points guys is a big one just for the the points side of things. Okay, that's a number I can work with. Zero dollars, great number. Anything zero dollars, I got it. I got it. That's a good place to start. <laughs> that's what's up, bro. Well, dude, thank you so much for sharing so much of uh, your perspective and experience. And I know it's only a fraction of the things you've experienced and tasted and seen. Um, but tell us what's coming up next. What are the trips you have planned for 2019? I know it's early, but I know you're a planner. So what's coming up? Yeah, it's early, but I'm definitely a planner. So I uh, got Costa Rica coming in March. Uh, so really excited about that because this winter in DC is no joke. Right. Um, so Costa Rica's coming up. Uh, after that, I got a couple of destinations I, I'm pretty damn sure I'm going to make happen. Just don't have the uh, the dates lined up. But um, Indonesia is going to happen. Uh, so that's like a Bali and, and other other parts of Indonesia as well. I want to see the whole, whole deal. And I'm really leaning towards Ghana for the end of the year. So those are, those are kind of the ones that I, I know are going to happen. I'll probably end up squeezing something else or two in there. But yeah, I'm really excited about Costa Rica for sure. Okay. And are these group trips a mix? Some of these solo initiatives? How are you going out here? All the ones I mentioned are group trips. So I, I only tend to plan the group trips. The The solo trips are usually the ones where I'll see a cheap flight um, and I have like three weeks to, to book it and no one else is crazy enough or in a position to act on it. So that, that's when I go by myself. So actually, like I was just in Argentina a couple months ago and that was a similar-ish situation. But yeah, any, anything that's kind of already set in stone and, and I know is going to happen, I'm, I'm talking to people at least about it. So, you know, got a, got a couple people lined up for, for a few of these different trips. 
Okay. And because of the locations and the fact that I do stalk all these travel pages, some of these locations are coming up as hotspots where I know large black travel groups are organizing trips. Are you doing any of these big trips or you're organizing these all within your own circle of people? Yeah. So, so far it's, it's uh, just me and my circle, but okay. I see these trips all the time. The ones you're talking about and yeah. I'm dying to participate. Like it, it's like nothing but 20, 30 black people having a good time. Like how could I not join that? You know, that could be one of the trips that I add to this year. Um, I kind of hope it is because there's, there's a couple that's happening. Um, so if I find the right destination and, and it fits my, my schedule and ob- obligations and all that, I'm down. Okay. That's what's up. Again, shout out to your level of patience and tolerance because I ain't got it, bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not showing up with 40 people um, <laughs> that I don't know for for the year of return to Ghana. And I'm, fuck that. No. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm down with it, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm there. No, I don't, I don't feel like I need that. those kind of challenges in my life. That's me, though. That's me. I'm the curmudgeon I'll, traveler. I'll, I said I'll upload the pictures for you. Okay, appreciate that. I'll be out the week after everybody leaves. Right. Yeah, it's probably going to be cheaper and a lot more peaceful. Uh, that's that's what I seek. Peace in my life, brother. Peace. Um, yeah. <laughs> not to get too woke. I feel that too. <laughs> yeah, I just... Oof. That... Oof, nope. I don't like the way that feels. Not doing it. But um, yeah, these trips are out here, you guys. You can find their accounts. They're everywhere under the Black Travel hashtags. I believe they're positive experiences. Some of these companies have been around for several years, you know, being some of the first to kind of spur on the Black millennial travel movement. And you'll meet other travelers, like-minded people. It's definitely going to be a great time. So don't listen to me. Listen to people like Arthur and these pages. Dude, this has been a great interview. This is super fun, right? Uh, man, I'm, I've been looking forward to this for a while, so I'm, I'm glad you had me on. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, dude, anytime. Hope to have you back, or maybe we'll have some sort of point noir meetup. But yeah, man, until then, safe travels, and uh, keep us in the loop with all your adventures. You guys make sure to follow them on IG. Appreciate that, bro. All right, peace, man. Later. Y'all, that interview was everything. We covered it all. I love talking about language. I love talking about corporate culture. That just meant a lot. So thank you so much, Arthur, for spending the time to share your perspective with us here at The Point. Make sure you follow him on Instagram at eclecticart314. And I hope you guys got a ton of value out of the session. Just practical tips that you can take and apply to your travel experiences, your adventuring mindset. I really hope you guys were taking notes. That all being said, we are always looking for men of color to sponsor passports for. So it might not be you, it might be a friend, it might be a cousin, it might be someone you haven't thought of in years, but if the information might be valid to them, definitely shoot them our IG profile at Point Noir Show or share with them an episode. We're looking for men of color who wanna travel to sponsor because we believe in investing in our own community. With that all being said, we have more interviews coming up for you. Show drops every Tuesday. You guys know this by now. Can't wait to share more of these exciting adventure perspectives from men of color who are actually out here doing it, traveling the world. So with that all being said, you guys take care. I'm Jerry the Third, a.k.a. Kimono Jack, signing off. <laughs>